Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast episode 1027, my interview with Dr. Bob Lahida. We're discussing his work and his book, Immunity Strong. Enjoy. Hello, Dr. Lahita. Bob, how are you today? I'm great today. How are you, Lee? I'm doing well. Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Great. I've, um, we've got a lot to talk about, I reckon. We do. You've got um, the fairly... Uh, fascinating and experienced background, and I've just received in the mail a copy of your newest book called Immunity Strong. I'm holding it here in my hands, and the uh, subtitle there is Boost Your Natural Healing Power and Live to 100. Or more. (laughs) What do you, um, well, before we get into your background in this book, Bob, do you, uh, that's a really interesting one, live to 100 or more. How, How old do you think we could live to possibly now? with the technology and, and the knowledge that we have? Well, if we take care of ourselves and we do the right thing, and I talk about that in the book, yeah. it's extremely important to consider your body. You, you have to be a master of your body, and you could easily live beyond 100. Easily. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is really uh, something that is, is quite important, and, it's, uh, and I go very, very carefully down each part of your immune system, which I call the biological soul. And I call it the biological soul because it's the seat of everything, it seems, within the body. Right. Uh, I walk you through the, how the immune system works, which most people have no clue, uh, what makes it implode or keeps it safe, and what modern science reveals about how it connects to every part of your body to keep it alive. Yeah. And one of the reasons I think the Gen Zs, the Generation Z kids have it right is they know how to live a healthy life with physical activity, exercise, eating properly, etc., which my generation never really thought much about. No. So the biological soul is designed to protect you and to let you live a healthy life. So this force, which I call the soul, is tangible, measurable, lives within your body and determines your age and well-being throughout your life. Yeah. It's complex. It's physical. And in many, many ways, even though I am, I don't know whether your audience is spiritual or religious or whatever. Absolutely. Even if you're not or you are, this is very, very spiritual. It's a yeah. spiritual uh organ if it were it's as you were it's affected by stress your diet your overall health yeah and though it's not immortal like the spiritual soul if you believe in a spiritual soul this soul this biological system i call the immune system shapes your life and you what you do with your life shapes it right so yeah uh, that's a good beginning as to what the book is all about yeah, well, let's delve into it. So, just um, give us a brief. What's your What's your background? Oh, um, you've got okay. you're on many boards and obviously a uh, an MD. Yeah, I'm an MD and I'm a PhD as well. Uh-huh. And so, my clinical training was first, and I was a resident in internal medicine in New York City. Yeah. And then be, I went to Rockefeller University, which I'm sure many of your listeners know. It used to be the Rockefeller Institute, and it is a uh, 
it's a cradle for Nobel Prize winners. Uh, those were the senior guys that I worked for. Right. And, and what happened was then uh, I had already had my Ph.D. I took uh, extra two years in medical school to get the Ph.D. And that's in microbiology, virology. So uh, I had very little immune system training. So I went after my internship and residency, and I, I went to the Rockefeller, and I studied the immune system, autoimmunity particularly, and rheumatology at the Rockefeller for about 11 years. Okay. And at that time, I was also on the staff at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City, and, um, and then left that to become a rheumatology chief in various hospitals. I went from that to becoming chairman of medicine, which I was for 17 years in New Jersey. And that was after 9-11, when it was difficult to commute back and forth. Mm. I raised my family. I have two boys. And these days I have grandchildren, actually. And, um, and I, I live in Jersey, in northern Jersey, about 30 minutes outside of Manhattan, which is New York City. Mm -hmm. And let's see, what else? I do a lot of writing. I've written or edited 15 books. 15 this books, yeah. Probably my 16th book. Yeah. And, and there's a textbook which I worked on, which, which is what I'm more familiar with, which is called Lajita's Lupus Erythematosus. It deals with the disease systemic lupus Did I say erythematosus. say that again? <laughs> a systemic lupus erythematosus. Okay. The, that's a disease that's well known to most women right. and some men. But it, uh, the publisher Academic Press named the sixth edition of the book after me, which I thought was really a great honor since I had worked on the previous five editions as the senior editor. Yeah. And so the book is more of a technical book for physicians and nurses and yes. medical students. <clears throat> so that's sort of me in a nutshell. In a nutshell. And this immunity system, obviously, you've got a lot of experience and you've studied it extensively. So... No better person to um, to talk to about it, I suppose, and better understand it because, um, you know, as a as a novice here, I think of immunity. I think of yeah, I guess something that helps protect us against um, disease. That's that's sort okay. of the basic summary that I could come to yeah. conclusion with. But um, what you call it the biological soul, this immunity uh, system yes. of ours. But explain to us. Um, I guess basically, what what is the immunity system and this biological soul? Well, the immune system is rather complex, but I'll make it simple. Yeah, Every, everyone knows what a police department is, or you know what uh, what a uh, an army is in a country. And um, we focused our effects now on infection, etc. But the immune system is analogous to they say a, a police department of a large metropolis. The mm -hmm. metropolis, you. Your body is the metropolis or this large city, which requires a lot of protection. And so there's all sorts of interesting and complicated ways that your body protects you and allows you to live um, unsullied by viruses, parasites, or bacteria. Yeah. There's an and an adaptive immune system. And the innate immune system is the immune system that goes into effect as soon as you get infected with something. Right. And that is sort of the SWAT team of the immune system. It goes in, has no idea what it's going after, but it just knows that there's been an invasion or an insult to your body. 
Yeah. And three days later or thereabouts is the adaptive immune system, which comprises a lot of different cell types like T cells and B cells, which I'm sure your audience has heard of. And these T cells and B cells are very sophisticated and they communicate just like a police department with two-way radios, they communicate with uh, something called cytokines and chemokines. Those are chemicals within your blood. Yeah. And that's what tells them where to go. And it tells them, you know, a crime has occurred in your big toe or in your knee or in your kidney. And these cells all go there. And through a process which we call inflammation, the crime scene is the inflamed area and that is roped off and then the foreign invaders are attacked, scooped up and removed. Now, in the case of something like- But that's <clears> with, <throat> the, with the T cells and the B cells, did you say? Right, and the B cells make antibody by turning into plasma cells. And these cells are all described in the book and, and I model it after a police department yeah. because I want you to understand very simply, people understand what police do and if you take that model, that metaphor, and you use it with your immune system, you understand exactly what the immune system does. Now, it's interesting that I say to people, and they don't believe this, that imperceptibly, you're not aware of the fact that this stuff goes on all day long, every second of the day, your immune system is recognizing and arresting and defeating invaders. Yeah, uh, I get into that when I talk about biomes, but <clears throat> the invaders are very can be very lethal or they can most of the time they can be minor intruders uh, like a bacterium in your lung or uh, some bacterium or parasite in your bowel that happens to gain entry. Um, <clears throat> this happens imperceptibly. You don't know this is going on. <clears throat> this this occurs. This protective network occurs all of the time, even while you're sleeping. Yeah. So these T cells are the role players and the B cells, and they communicate via these things called cytokines. It's called now, what? They, what's that? What are they called? Cytokines. Cytokines and chemokines. The cytokines are what tell the cells what to do. The chemokines tell the cells where to go. Yeah. And all of this is very sophisticated, very sophisticated. Now, <clears throat> your genetics, um, your infectious environment, the vaccines that you take, the medicines you take, your biomes, which I'll explain in a second, and your brain function is all modulated by the immune system. The brain actually directs parts of the immune system. So that behavior, the mind, body, and soul You've heard that cliche, yeah. used, it really exists. So the brain really is sort of the conductor of the immunologic orchestra, and it takes charge. And so stress, very, very important to overcome stress in order to have a normal functioning immune system. And then <clears throat> I talk about the biomes. Now, people aren't aware of the fact that there are things called biomes. Some people call them microbiomes. Yeah. These biomes live in and on us. So you have a biome on your skin. You have a biome in your lung. You have a biome in your bowel. You have a biome everywhere. And these are organisms that happily live with us and do some very important things. And that's chapter two, I believe, in the book. Yeah. I don't 
stick with me here, but <clears throat> that's chapter two. And that's all about diets and being down and dirty. And I have the hygiene hypothesis of children, the children who grow up on farms or in the country that generally are with animals and eat dirt. They have less allergies and less asthma than children who grow up in urban areas. Is that because of the, the natural bacteria, the, the biomes that we, we digest? And it's correct. And it educates or informs your immune system. So in essence, the phrase, you are what you eat, is exactly true. But we're, we're born with these biomes too, yeah? Like, you know, yes, and that's we why are. they say natural birth is a better way to... During, during natural birth, and, and it's enhanced, the biomes are enhanced through breastfeeding. Right. So when, when I talk to women or lady groups, I say, you know, how many... Lots of people have cesarean sections, and they, they don't have... The baby doesn't go through the birth canal... And they don't breastfeed. So they deny, uh, you deny your baby the ability to have a microbial population that he or she gets from the mother. So, yeah. for example, people, babies who have been born by cesarean section have a 20% increase in asthma when they get older. And so it also affects behavior. Because, you know, we, we know from animal experiments that germ-free animals are antisocial. <clears throat> There's an enteric nervous system, which depends on the immune system. And so behavior is influenced by your biome. Yeah. The microbes in your bowel and in other parts of your body determine what goes on in your head. <clears throat> so this mind-body connection is extremely, extremely important. Eliminating stress, getting enough sleep and rest, meditation, yoga, exercise, all of these things are extremely important to keeping your mind-body connection together. And I Those just like reducing stress, like meditating, exercising, yeah. they're separate from the biomes that we're talking about, yeah? That's right. So the yeah. but the biomes, the biomes are extremely important. For example, fermented foods like probiotics yeah. and probiotics really produce friendly bacteria and restore the flora of the gut. Things so can, like we, yogurt, can we test this gut bacteria and, and analyze yeah, we, our biomes to make sure we've got a healthy gut bacteria? Only in the research lab, unfortunately, right now. Mm. But there are organisms, for example, that are tied together with things like rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, the older you get, like say over 65, your biome changes. The character of the biome, the organisms change. Kids with autism have different biomes. People with schizophrenia have different biomes. So the biomes, the organisms that live in the bowel, which can be quantitated and, and studied in great detail, they're different depending on what your lifestyle or your disease or your behavioral so abnormality. Can you explain that to us? So this biome, like gut biomes, if you've got a healthy gut biome, we're saying that that directly affects the brain and our behavior. And if we've got right. an unhealthy gut biome, you know, the adverse happens, the reverse happens, um, and potentially we have worse behaviors and not in a negative sense perhaps, but right. um, behaviors that are less conducive for a, a long and happy life, um, I suppose. Correct. How, how, does that, how does that influence behavior? I, you know, I, I get it because I know through personal experience that when I'm healthy and got good diet and good 
um, you know, um, digestive. Um, yep. I generally have better feelings and better behaviours. And when I don't, I generally uh, am not as um, happy, I suppose, and, and, and uh, productive. I suppose you're my not, behaviors are weakened. So. You're not as anxious. You're not as depressed. Depression yeah. is tied together with the biome as well. Yeah. And, you know, the worst thing your doctor can do is give you an antibiotic inappropriately for, say, something like a bacterial or like a, like a viral sore throat, not a bacterial, a viral sore throat. So you you go to your doctor, you say, I have a terrible sore throat. I, can you give me an antibiotic? And so the doctor says, here, I'm giving you two weeks worth of penicillin, say, just to pick it up, pick an, or an antibiotic. And that destroys a good part of your biome. And we know, and I use an example in the book, I said, you know, when you're in the hospital and you're put on chronic antibiosis, antibiotics, your gut flora disappear. And this is the reason that we carefully within the hospital watch for something called Clostridium difficile. This is an organism which overgrows the bowel and causes major disease and actually kills people. So there are other organisms that can come forward as well when you're inappropriately treated with large doses of antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah. So so, with with the the gut bacteria, I mean, what would you um, sort of suggest as far as keeping that in check um, and a a healthy diet? What would be a healthy diet? Is it raw food? There's there's prebiotics and there's probiotics. So let me give you some prebiotics. What's prebiotic? that you ingest that are metabolized by the gut bacteria. And this is onions, garlic, okay, leeks, barley, and oats. Those are examples. Now, most people don't buy prebiotic. They buy buy probiotics. So the probiotic is friendly bacteria to restore the gut flora. So after you've been on antibiotics, for example, or you've had a diarrheal disease, You want to restore the bowel and you want to put friendly bacteria there. And the way to do that is through yogurt, uh, something called kefir, uh, sauerkraut, tempeh, uh, kimchi, which the Koreans are fond of eating, and the Japanese miso. Miso, natto. Restoring your gut bacteria, your friendly bacteria. So we should eat, eat, you know, those foods every day anyway, the pro and the prebiotics and probiotics yes yes you should you know i have a yogurt every day there's a prebiotic so onions garlic things like that yeah onions how how do they differ from probiotic onions garlic leeks barley oats you know a lot of these granola type cereals and stuff provide these prebiotics for your bowel how does a prebiotic differ from probiotic no prebiotic actually puts puts the organism, the microbes into the bowel and allows them to be metabolized by the gut bacteria. They're, they're not fermented. They're to be fermented. The probiotics are friendly bacteria that are actually put in the bowel to restore the gut flora. Uh. And that bacteria is living in the fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, um, <clears throat> kefir. There's a whole bunch of them. And I list them in the book. Um, so I don't digestive have to- wise, I mean, are you are you for a plant based diet? Do you um, suggest we eat meat? Is there um, well, I we should avoid altogether, like alcohol and sugars? 
Oh, yeah. Sugars definitely should be avoided. Large amounts of sugar. I don't eat sugar. A lot of people become diabetic after the age of 60, say. It's epidemic in the world, but particularly in the United States, it's epidemic. I'm sure in Australia, it may be the same. But um, yeah, unprocessed foods, you know, sugars, uh, stuff like that. I happen to love meat. I eat a lot of meat. I eat, uh, for example, liver, uh, which I had last night, chicken, uh, steaks. I love steaks, but I don't eat them every day. I eat maybe steak uh, like once a week, maybe every 10 days. But I don't say that you should be on a vegetarian diet. Um, a lot of people feel that way. A Mediterranean diet, which includes meat, is very, very good for you. The main thing is to avoid a lot of uh, sugar. Yeah, uh, You hit the nail on the head. That nasty stuff. I think sugars and, and like, um, I spoke to a lady yesterday, actually, and she sort of said it herself, but processed foods, you know, and we don't often think about it because we're so surrounded by it. But um, We are. I think if you can, and I lived in Japan for a while, so. I think oh, that's great probably when I had the healthiest diet and um, yeah. just because that's their culture, you know, it's um, there's smaller amounts of meats, a lot of farm-grown vegetables and fruits. Um, right. And another thing to note there in Japan was that it was very seasonal, like where um, in Australia anyway we have everything all year round it seems, whereas in Japan, yeah. you know, in winter you had a selection of uh, fruits and vegetables in summer it changed again but um I think the, it reduced the amount of variety we had in our diet too. Yes. Yeah. So, so the Japanese, for example, eat a lot of miso for breakfast, miso soup. Mm. Uh, and that's very, very uh, probiotic. And really. Yes, too. Mm. Okay. Well, that's good. Sorry. We just went on a side tangent about biomes there. You what? We just went on a side tangent about our bio, yeah. biomes. Can we digest... Um, um, good healthy biomes like uh, you know they have the um, fecal pills and tablets is that a good thing that we could do to try and well no it's not unless you absolutely need it we have we right. do have you fecal transplants I mentioned that in the chapter on biomes a fecal transplant can be placed in a capsule via the rectum via colonoscopy into somebody who suffers from clostridium difficile Clostridium difficile is particularly nasty. There are other diabetes, diarrhea uh, bugs that take hold when the biome is destroyed. So yes. a fecal transplant, we do them here, but only in the worst circumstances. Right, it's, okay. Aesthetically, it's not a great thing for most people to think of someone else's stool being placed in their bowel. And it's, okay. it's pretty right. <laughs> but but um, it has been brought up in, in conversation, so I thought, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if it's necessary, you look at something like that. Right. You have to. So <clears throat> as I go into the rest of the uh, onto mind-body connection, I talk about Qigong, Tai Chi, um, yoga, meditation, extremely important to know how to meditate. <clears throat> how do you meditate? How do I meditate? Yeah, what's your practice? I have a meditation where I count to actually 13. And I will lie in bed and I will do one, two for my right hand, three, four for the left hand, five, six for the left foot, seven, eight for the right foot. And then I go across my abdomen and then I go to my back with. 11, 12, and the genitalia is 13. If you do that twice, 
it's a good way to fall asleep. But you can do the lotus position and just do what the Middle Eastern and the Far Eastern people do and just sort of try to block your mind uh, by uh, thinking of clouds and such. I have been meditating for years. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about <laughs> a lot on the show. So just going back to your example, so you're lying there, closed eyes, and you count. Yeah. You just count to 13. So you go, what, slowly? One, two, three, yeah. four. And I do it slowly, and then I'm usually out cold by the second round of counting. Okay, so you just every time you count, you're just focusing on that part of the body. So when you get to four, you're on your right hand or whatever, and then your toes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, one of the methods. There's many, many methods. Well, you talk. Um, yeah, there's different types of meditation. You talk about sex and socialization too in your book. Yep, I do. Now, sex and socialization is really important. Yeah. Um, just uh, did a thing for Valentine's Day, which I believe was this week. I think it was Monday. And I was talking about the importance of sex and the importance of socialization. With the pandemic, we have been deprived of socialization yep. and people have been by themselves. That's very, very bad. There's a 58% increase in mortality in people who do not socialize and live by themselves, especially when they're isolated. So and I'm not talking about people in prison. I'm talking about people who are you know, expected to socialize in public. So socialization, the process of intimacy, whether it be with an animal, like, uh, you know, hugging a dog or a cat um, or having a companion in a dog or cat or even a goldfish or a mouse or whatever your thing is, versus having uh, a, a lover or a wife or a husband uh, or maybe children. This is all very, very important because there are chemical releases that go on that enhance immune function. Yeah. One of the something called the love hormone oxytocin increases yeah. when you have something. The same thing with prolactin. They both act as uh, neuroendocrine stimulators of immune function. Right. So section socialization increases fertility and increased fertility then leads to uh, sexual relationships and pregnancy. If you're interested in getting pregnant, I know a lot of people who are childish until they childless until they socialize until they find their proper mate and they uh, they have intimacy and obviously it enhances fertility. Yeah, and I have something in the book on that actually, <clears throat> and I wrote more about that for Valentine's Day because I was asked to do that by uh, by a few interviewers mm. and. Very interesting, interesting concept. And again, this is the mind, body, and spirit. And the socialization is great for immune function. Great yeah. for immune I also talk about what is the um, what is the like if you talk about sex and socialization releasing like oxytocin, for example, the happy uh, what do you call it the the love chemical? Um, yes. how, how does that how does that have influence on the immune system? Can you explain that? Well, the immune system, well, first of all, let's take oxytocin and prolactin. They are both immune stimulants. Right. So, so the act of having sex, uh, sexual intercourse, increases immune function, increased T cells, increased antibody, um, particularly in women. Increases fact, them or? Increases them. and it stimulates and it, them? Well, stimulating, increasing the same thing. But actual increase in immunoglobulin levels and T cell function occurs with socialization 
and sexual relations. And I have a section in the book, if I have the book here, where I talk about males and intimacy and studies that have actually been done in legitimate papers in various medical journals talking about um, the, the effects of sex on immunity. Wow. And it's very, very uh, interesting that during sex, certain hormones are increased, such as testosterone in men and even in women, as well as estrogens in women. And I did a lot of work on um, the immune system and endocrine studies. In fact, it was called immunoendocrinology, which is the study of, of hormones and glands modulated, mind you, by the pituitary, or what I call the, con the conductor of the endocrine orchestra, from the brain. And I'm, my research at Rockefeller early on was to determine why females have uh, autoimmune diseases far in excess of males. And no one has quite figured that one out. Even to this day, we are not sure we understand it. And one of the chapters, one of my scientific chapters in the textbook that I edit is exactly on this, on uh, the effects of epigenetics and genetics on sex and uh, sex hormones and boosting or um, down-regulating the immune system. Mm. Obviously, you have an overactive immune system, which you can easily have, especially if you're a woman. Down-regulation with hormones was the idea, which never worked out, that was put forth back in the 90s to try to control immune function. And this came up, by the way, during the pandemic, because it seems more men were dying of COVID infections than women. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. The literature, yeah. remember that? Yeah. And that a lot of that has to do with immunoendocrine effects, the effects of certain steroids, uh, hormonal steroids. Mm -hmm. But we get away from oxytocin and prolactin, which are more like cytokines or communication molecules than they are about hormones. Right. We get into some real complexity, which I try to simplify in the book. Yeah, I mean, you, you've sort of covered everything. I mean, each chapter and each section yeah. um, just goes, I think you're talking about chapter nine here, sex, gender, hormones, yes. pregnancy, and the immune system. Sex, gender, and hormones, to me, are extremely important. And pregnancy, the whole concept of pregnancy is extraordinarily important. So why, course, why are men's immune, like during the COVID pandemic, why have men um, been more prone to, to be? I don't know. I don't know. I, I looked at various ideas. I actually had one doctor in New York City who wanted to treat some men with estrogens uh, that were sick uh, with the idea that uh, the estrogens, which the man would not accept very readily, that the estrogens would in fact uh, do wonders in strengthening his immune system so that he wouldn't succumb. But there's a lot of theories out there about yeah. why men succumb to the COVID more than women. Some of those have to do with socialization, a lack of uh, seeking medical care, etc. There's a lot of environmental and epidemiological ideas that various investigators have about why this propensity for early death in males do women typically have a stronger immune than men? Like, would that be something that you'd, you'd do? And a lot of that relates to the fact that females become pregnant and have to carry a transplant, the fetus, in their wombs for nine months without rejecting the fetus. And uh, that's a whole other story. I, I, make, I mentioned in chapter nine, I guess it is, about that, 
but I don't go into extraordinary detail because it's so complex. Mm. But I have to say that, you know, a woman has a, re- a marvelous immune system and that is good and that is bad. The bad part of it is they have a lot of autoimmunity, which means that the immune system in a lot of women uh, tend to react against self antigens an antigen being a foreign material. In the case of autoimmunity, the foreign material is your own cells and tissues. So women do get more autoimmune disease than men. And it's probably largely due to the fact that the immune system of a woman is so complex, so sophisticated. And I have a slide that I actually use in my lectures, which shows a a box and it's labeled male and there's one toggle switch. And then there's another box labeled female and it's got all kinds of lights blinking and dials and toggle switches for this and for that. So it is complex. It's yeah. very complex. So this, um, so just explain that autoimmunity to me a little bit more because I don't, I don't really understand that. It's, well, um, that's where the immune system attacks itself. Yes, it it doesn't really attack because people who are normal over a certain age have autoantibodies. Now remember, the plasma cells are produce these antibodies, and that's a descendant of a B cell. They make these antibodies, and in the case of, say, COVID, these antibodies are made after the infection, so the antibodies attach to the virus and remove it. If you successfully fend off the infection, the antibodies are there. Now, people with autoimmune disease actually have a battle where their own immune systems attack things like the red cells, the white cells, uh, the heart muscle, that's the pericarditis that we hear a lot about. And there's a lot of autoimmunity that happens during an infection, such as a viral infection. And in fact, the autoimmune diseases that I see in my patients, when they get vaccinated or, God forbid, they get COVID, their immune systems take off and there's big trouble. They have all kinds of new symptoms, new rashes. Some of them become anemic. There's new onset diabetes. Some have kidney failure and so on and so forth. These are things you don't hear about. Yeah. But autoimmunity is a natural process, for example, in a pregnancy. If a woman's carrying a fetus, autoimmunity is there to help. So autoimmunity isn't always bad, Mm. but that's complex unto itself. And a lot of people don't quite understand that. You talk about you talk about COVID and well virus in general and COVID in particular and also the vaccines and I guess it's probably a a strong point of debate at the moment with the the pandemic happening. Um, So can can we go into that topic for a little bit? Um, So I'm interested to know, um, and I've I've read different articles and listened to different people talk about it, but certainly as far as um, the COVID nineteen virus goes, yes. Do we need a vaccine against it? Is it better to use our immunity system to fight it rather than having a vaccine help us? Well, yes, your immune system is extraordinarily important to controlling an infection. And that applies to COVID as well. So if you're older, like say over 65, we know that the coronavirus will wreak havoc on your immune system, particularly if you are in bad health and have comorbidities. And those comorbidities, chronic lung disease, heart disease, kidney disease, and so on, diabetes, asthma, whatever. But there are a lot of people that have what's called immunosenescence. And if you haven't taken care of your immune system, the immune system becomes senescence. And there's actually a term for that. It's called immunosenescence. So this immunosenescence 
results in a lack of immune response to things like the coronavirus. Now, the coronavirus is a very crafty, and it's not alive, it's a particle. It's very crafty, however. And once it gets into the body, depending on the type of variant you have, the Delta being the worst, the Omicron probably being the least of the serious ones, because it's producing, and you know, virtually in our country, in the US, it's 99.9% .9 of the infections right now. And it's kind of waning, which is wonderful. Yeah. And immune responses are terrific in everyone. We know that about 95% of people over the age of 75, say, are immunized, have had the vaccine. I'm gonna talk about the vaccine in a second. Yeah. And we know that uh, if you have a strong immune system, you will overcome the Omicron variant. And as a matter of fact, if you have a very good immune system, you may not even know you've been infected with the coronavirus. And yes. we see that all the time within same households. You know, the husband gets very sick, the wife goes on with her dishes and all that, nothing, she doesn't even have a fever. Yeah. Uh, and I don't understand that, but I attribute it to the natural beauty of the immune system and having the fact that your biological soul is very strong. And so you can overcome uh, infections because, uh, because of your exposure to other antigens, say, for example. Um, and I, I could give you numerous examples of this, but this is uh, some of them are quite controversial. But people say there could be inborn errors of immunity in people who succumb to the virus very quickly. You know, you can get a 30-year-old tennis player who's a, a professional he gets the coronavirus and drops dead in three days. Yeah. You get an eight-year-old lady who's in good shape. She gets the coronavirus and overcomes it. And in five days, she's in and out of the hospital. So go figure. Yeah. And differences are clearly with regard to your immune response. Absolutely. And so the, vac the vaccines are really amazing. And the messenger RNA that everyone hears about yeah. is really based on our ability to play with molecular mechanisms. Didn't have this ability 20 years ago. No. These days we can create from the virus, take pieces of its RNA, which are responsible for the infective parts of the virus. That is the spike protein that it produces in the body. We can take the messenger RNA out and put it in something that looks like an M&M, &M, but a very, very, very small microscopic M&M, the sugar yeah. coating, and the chocolate in the middle is the RNA. Right. So it gets into your body, your cell eats the M&M, &M, and it's not infected, but the messenger RNA goes into the works of the cytoplasm. It never goes into the nucleus of the cell where the DNA is, the genetic uh, machinery, it goes out in the cytoplasm and is processed like any other messenger RNA that your cells are making. And this tells the cell to produce a spike protein. So it looks to the immune system as though the spike protein has come from the virus, when in fact it has not. It has come from the messenger RNA taken out of the virus, and yeah. it's not in. So that's the messenger RNA vaccine. And they're being produced not only for COVID, but now for malaria, um, for respiratory syncytial virus, for a lot of different infections, you're gonna be seeing messenger RNA vaccines because they're easy to produce. They can be produced rapidly and very inexpensively. Yeah. So they, they are good. Now you have the viral vector vaccines, which is the J&J &J in our country. I don't know what you call it 
in your country, uh, whether you have the the Russian version or the uh, Chinese version. But the viral vector vaccine is really where particles of the virus itself are encapsulated in a virus that's harmless, like an adenovirus. And that injected one-shot deal, and it essentially accomplishes the same thing the messenger RNA virus vaccine does by causing an immune response. Yeah, now, there are there are adjuvants added, adjuvant concept, which I give, and it's too complex to go into in now, but if you read the book, the adjuvant is something that helps the vaccine work fast. Right. It's, uh, it's very, very effective. And one of the adjuvants that help the vaccine work is your microbiome in the bowel. Yes. <laughs> if you raise germ-free rats and you put them in two cages, and one cage, you give them regular chow, so they now populate their bowel, and you infect both groups of rats with influenza, you will only be able to vaccinate the rats that have the the microbiome, and you cannot vaccinate the ones that are germ-free. They just don't pick up and take the vaccine very easily. That's data that's, that's in the scientific literature. Okay. So you see how important this all is to understand. Does it does it matter whether, like, if you have, and this is just a question going back to the COVID and the vaccine, if you haven't had the vaccine and had COVID, yes. is your immunity going to be as good as fighting off the virus in the future than someone with yes. the vaccine? No question about it. In fact, there's some discussion that natural infection may be just as effective, if not more inf- effective, than having the vaccine. There's only one problem right. that infection, again, because your immune systems are so different, the infection of one person may not be have the same immunologic response as the infection of a different person. No. But the vaccine gives you a consistent response. That's why we're saying if you've been infected, do get the vaccines after you recover to ensure that your immune system has a good response. That's the reason for the booster, for example, or in the case of Israel and England, a second booster. So a total of four shots with regard to the messenger RNA vaccines. Mm. What does it have any any chance of uh, reducing your immunity? Like not just with the, the the COVID, I guess the virus, but other potential viruses. No, not not really to reduce your immunity to to be infected. Yeah, like I just I sort of think you know do you become reliant on these things to protect you and your immune system becomes maybe lazy. No, no. <laughs> I know that was a discussion somewhere I saw that, but no, that doesn't happen. Your immune system is very robust. Your biological soul, it's like the police department in a city. Again, I go to the original model. So you can have thousands and thousands of robbers, carjackers, homicidal maniacs, and your police department has records for each of them. And it will remember, it'll be on the lookout for X, Y, and Z. Same thing with the immune system. It has a beyond the lookout because once those T cells are trained to mm-hmm. recognize a foreign invader, it's for life. So a lot of this really is important to understand because there's a belief out there from some of my colleagues that um, your immune system, your cellular immunity goes on and on and on for years and protects you, even though your neutralizing antibody disappears. Right. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, well, you covered all that in the book. What does the future hold for our biological soul? 
Oh, the future is extraordinary. Is that? Uh, mental disorders, predictions that depression and schizophrenia may be able to be controlled immunologically, that neurodevelopmental abnormalities, which we may understand better, such as autism, these things may be understood if we understand how the immune system works in the fetus. I think, you know, autistic kids are probably born autistic and at a certain time in their lives, this becomes apparent and it's early childhood. So that's another area. Whether you're left or right-handed, I talk about that in the book, um, is very, very interesting. There are scientists, neurologists largely, who believe that the brain and the laterality of the brain, the brain and the immune system develop together. So whether you're left-handed or right-handed or ambidextrous, you know, people who are left-handed tend to be more creative ambidexterity makes you really creative and they feel that that's that enhances immune function as well um inflammation and dementia trying to understand dementia as an immune disease we know that in dementia there is there's uh, the deposition of something called amyloid and i'm sure many of your listeners know about amyloid amyloid is a is a protein that's deposited in the brain in in uh, certain Dementia, dementia variants. Oh, yeah. Yep. And amyloid is extremely important. And that is a byproduct of inflammation. So, inflammation, which we haven't really talked about a lot, is no. extremely important. Lots of cells involved, lots of chemicals involved. It all has to do with what's released at the scene of the crime in your body. So, inflammation is critical. Some people get total body inflammation. In the case of COVID, the inflammation was largely in the lung for the Delta variant. And uh, the way we treat it as we treat it today is to give huge doses of dexamethasone or steroid along with um, remdesivir. Uh, and the con- controlling inflammation really it may mean the difference between life and death for a lot of people. Monoclonal yeah. antibodies, the same thing. They control inflammation. But, I, but as far as predictions go, I think dementia and inflammation, that's, a, that's an area to really look at. This inflammation, I mean, that's, like you said, it's the, what's left after the crime scene. And um, inflammation can be quite chronic in, in some people and probably in a lot of us in, in many ways that we don't even notice. Um, that's right. But it affects us greatly, doesn't it? It does. It does tremendously. And if anything you should take away from my book is the fact that this all goes on without your being aware of it, yeah. but that you do have a major role to play in controlling your immune system. You can enhance it or you can knock it down by drinking out too much alcohol, smoking cigarettes, taking illicit drugs, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And obviously if you have HIV AIDS, you're going to certainly destroy your immune system. So these are things that are very important, very, very important. Checkpoint therapy with cancer. The Nobel Prize was given two or three years ago to Jim Allison and I forget the second guy that got it uh, for checkpoint therapy. We can now take the immune system and remove the protection that a tumor develops. Uh, Tumors generally, some of the tumors that develop in our bodies have the immune system they they commandeer the immune system to protect the viability of the tumor. We yeah. now know checkpoint therapy removes that. I go into it in my book in some detail. It's pretty complicated. But some tumors that were heretofore untreatable now are treatable. And that's very exciting. Asthma, ex- eczema, 
and the fetal immune system, natural birth and breastfeeding, critical. Uh, We already touched on that. Uh, Controlling autoimmunity by educating the adaptive immune system, which is to say that autoimmunity is a natural process that goes on in the body, but we can make sure it doesn't develop to the degree where it actually destroys the patient. The patient can have, you know, multiple sclerosis, that's autoimmune, juvenile diabetes is autoimmune, uh, thyroiditis, you know, rejecting the thyroid gland. I see this every day. This is what I do. I'm an autoimmunologist yeah. as well as a rheumatologist. And so some of these diseases are very <clears throat> devastating to patients. And then <clears throat> epigenetic influences, which we haven't even talked about. We haven't talked about genetics either. But suffice it to say that in the book, it's a very interesting topic. Mm. Epigenetics is your behavior, your diet, your environment, and how it affects is how it affects your immunity. Whether you live in a hot climate, a cold climate, uh, whether you um, you like to drink wine every night or you uh, eat just meat, we touched on that a little bit. Yep. Those are all epigenetic influences that last for only a couple of generations, but mm. then go. So it's outside of your genetics, but it acts as though it's a genetic influence. I don't know how how you've managed to pack so much info into such a a, a small, like it's not a small book, I guess it's a couple hundred pages, but you've you've done that well, mate. And I know you could, it sounds, you're very passionate about this topic and I reckon I could have you speaking all day on it. Um, But I want to thank you for coming on and and sharing us a little bit of a glimpse into what you've included in this book, Immunity Strong. Um, yes. I'll stick this uh, book link in the show notes for our listeners. Um, you'll find it at thehiddenwide.com. Just type in Dr. Bob Lahita and you'll see the show notes there with the link to grab yourself a copy of the book. Um, Great. So, Bob, thank you for coming on. Any any final words of wisdom from you? Uh, no, I think we've covered just about everything except that I, I want people to respect their own bodies, their own immune system, and treat it like it's important because it's going to allow you to live a long time if you do it right. It is, well, quite important, isn't it? And we often overlook that, and I'm guilty of that as well. But, um, no, it's, it's great. Inspirational, mate. So thank you for sharing. And, and guys, check it out at thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and focus. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do 
everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martin Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.